now in the word of the Lord in the book of Ephesians in chapter number 6. And I want to begin reading in verse number 10. If you found your place and are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us, please. And we'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter number 6 and in verse number 10, the word of the Lord says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication, in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. I want to focus this morning in verse number 10, the beginning of our text that we have read today, a very familiar passage of Scripture where the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. That is the, that is the text for today. That is the phrase that I want us to see all of this passage of Scripture in light of. Be strong in the Lord. And I notice even the Apostle Paul, who when he writes this, he asks for their prayers that he may be bold in his, in his utterance of the word of, the God, of God, that he may be bold in making known the mystery of the gospel, that he may speak boldly, which he says is the way he ought to speak. Isn't it amazing we've come to a generation where we think that the preacher ought to be a mouse, and yet the word of God, the man of God, in the word of God said... That I speak, that pray for me that I would speak boldly because that's the way I ought to speak. Now, I want to tell you the man of God ought not to be a mouse. He ought to be a man of God and uh, he ought to speak boldly. He should cry aloud and spare not. We have enough mice in our world. We've got enough. Uh, enough politicians licking their fingers and putting it into the wind to see what direction the wind is blowing. We have enough people who speak of the things that they do because the opinion polls in our world says that they should. We have enough, uh, my friend, who will tell men what they want to hear and in the dose they want to hear it in. And for the amount of time that the uh, uh, psychological studies say that a person's uh, attention span can withstand and we need some men of God that will preach again with boldness. Have boldness enough to go past 12 o'clock. Have boldness enough to preach on your pet sin. Have boldness enough to declare, thus saith the word of the Lord. 
Amen. have boldness enough, my friend, not to deliver God's word in fear or in favor of men, Amen. but to be strong Amen. in the Lord. Amen. And not only do we need some preachers who will be strong in the Lord, we need some parishioners who will be Amen. strong in the Lord. I mean, friend, we need people who will populate the pews of have Baptist churches in the United States again. Have my friend who are in love with God and who believe the Bible and who intend to live what it says and will not be swayed by pop culture and by Hollywood and by the pressures of this whole life and who will let their mother-in-law tell them what to do and uh, who will not uh, cower down to this society and uh, my friend who will not uh, uh, give in to the flesh and the world and the devil uh, my friend but to have a backbone on molten steel and to stand up my friend once in a while and tape up the bare knuckles I used to say put on the boxing gloves that's too good for him tape up the bare knuckles and give the devil another sandwich. Amen. Have some people who love God enough that they'll dig their heels in and to stand for what is right. And when we've done all else that we can do, we need to stand. And then he says, stand therefore. How will your loins gird about? That is, put your belt on. Amen. Man, he ain't never going to get done what he needs to get done if he won't put a belt on. You boys that would try to get your work done and you do it without a belt on, you're going to lose your britches. Put your belt on. Tuck your shirt in your pants. Lace his shoes up. You know a fellow's not going to get an ounce of work done if he shows up on the job site and he hasn't even tied his shoes. If you can't tie your shoes, you're not going to get much work done. Tie your shoes or put your shirt in your pants and tie your belt up. Some folks of my friend are too casual too comfortable, too uh, lackadaisical. So also it is in their service for the Lord. Help uh, my friend, this is not a life for God that we need to live with our shoes untied. Help uh, this old world knock them off of you. Help uh, tie your belt up. Put your shoes on. Have your feet shod. With the preparation of the gospel of peace, strap your armor on. Hold the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. Uh, take in your hand the sword of the Spirit. Uh, strap upon yourself the breastplate of righteousness not the breastplate of compromise and there is no protection in compromise but there is guard there is protection in righteousness right living right living that's what righteousness is it is the state of being right how we can only be made right by Christ but if we've been made right let us walk how worthy of the vocation whereunto we are called and we all my friend if we've been made right we ought to live right. Amen. And we ought to walk right, serve right, talk right, preach right. I'll worship right, love right, live right. Amen. And my friend take and put on that breastplate of righteousness. And then he said, get set to praying. I pray and make supplication. And for all the saints. And also, he says, the next verse for the preacher. We ought to pray for the preacher. We ought to pray for the parishioners. We ought to pray with and for one another and we ought to pray for that man of God and not that he'd tell us what he want, what we want to hear and not that he would satisfy everybody in the community and not that everybody would just love 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 him and so they'll think our church is awesome and receive us since we go down there with that preacher everybody just loves instead we ought to pray that God would make our man of God as bold in the word of God and make 
him open his mouth with boldness. He ought to pray that God have my fear to put a dose of have gunpowder in me every Sunday morning. Amen. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. And give me boldness to declare thus saith the word of God. Have my fear with fear of God only. Fear of the judgment. Fear of my fear of eternity. Fear of being held responsible for this word and what it will accomplish in glory. And pray that God would then give sense. My friend, God would give a sense of reception to the hearer that they might hear and heed and accept the word of God. Oh, Lord, help us to pray with and for one another. Be strong in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 is a very well known passage and it's not a passage of scripture for wimps and sissies it's not a passage of scripture my friend for the fellow with the fellows with lace on their drawers and for those Christians who want to go along and get along it's not for those who want to tiptoe through the tulips with their flip flops on my friend and smoke the peace pipe my friend make everybody their buddy this is a passage for warriors. This is a passage for soldiers in the Lord's army. This is a passage for those who will be bold in the Lord. And he tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know why we've got to have that? Because if you are not, you will collapse. I'm going to tell you something, regardless of what you may think of them. You are the enemy of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You may try to hobnob with Satan, but he'll never become your friend. You may wallow in the hog pen with him, but he will never become your friend. You may compromise with him, but he will not compromise with you. He's not going to let you go just because you haven't given him a hard time. My friend, you are his target. The flesh, the world, the devil all have a target painted on you. If you don't want to become a casualty dead on the side of the road, if you want to, if you don't want to be laid bloody and bruised and dying, beaten in this old thing, in this battle of life, then you better be strong in the Lord. You better dig your heels in. My friend, you better stand. When you've done all to stand, otherwise you'll fall utterly. Men of God and members of churches across America are falling like, like flies in our generation. It seems that the church, its leadership, and its laity are so terribly weak today. My friend, we're not the men we used to be. We are not the people we used to be. Our churches are not the churches that they used to be. The preaching that goes on is not the preaching that used to happen. My friend, the people don't live like they used to live. And we don't believe, my friend, in this generation. What we used to believe, but though men have changed and churches have changed and preaching has changed, God's word has not changed. And he said, I am the Lord your God and I change not. And I know that the longer that I go over the child into this saying, I've been preaching nearly 30 years now. And the longer that I go, the more out of lockstep that I become. Even with the religious society that we are in, it's not just to my friend of the pop culture that I'm out of lockstep with. 
That's religion that I'm out of lockstep with because they're drifting further and further and further. But I say today, I want to drop my anchor. I want to stand where I am. I want my friend to be strong in the Lord and to be firm in my stand and to be bold for the Lord Jesus. And my friend, if anything, I want to draw closer and nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. That may mean that as time goes by, we'll continue to be more out of touch with where lots of people are living their lives and where the mood of the moment is, where the heartbeat of our culture is. And more and more, I'm becoming culturally irrelevant. But I'm telling you, the gospel that I'm preaching, which is not mine, it belongs to God. The gospel that I'm preaching is just as eternally relevant today as it has ever been, friend. I don't have to be culturally relevant. We must be eternally relevant, scripturally relevant, relevant when it comes to the things of God. Hey man, that's exactly right. If a brother Toby ever decides my friend to swap over to wearing Bermuda shorts and my friend golf shirts and flip flops and putting a little microphone on my head and getting up in front of everybody to have to have group sessions instead of preaching, y'all check me in the mental institution, something's bad wrong. I've lost control of my faculties because I'd never do that while I was in my right mind. Amen, friend. Praise God. Listen to me. I know what it is to be under this cloud where the glory runs out. I know what it is to stand in the presence of God and know that though I'm nothing in myself, that I've been received of the Lord to have the Spirit of God to turn over and have my soul. Praise God. God, hallelujah. I've been in the fire and I'm not satisfied with the smoke. I pray God would help me to be bold in the Lord. To be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Amen, friend. Amen. And that means you have to preach Ephesians 6. It means you preach Ephesians 5 about being Holy Ghost filled. And about loving your family and about loving God. And about the order in the home. It means you preach all of those. All of those politically incorrect things like that. It means you preach Ephesians 2 about folks that are dead in trespasses and sins. Tell my friend how that there is no salvation except for by grace through faith and it's not of yourselves it's a gift of God not of works as any man should boast that means you preach the unity of the body that is in Ephesians 1 how that we are all brought together in his body how there are no big eyes and little use and no one that deserves the preeminence but Jesus that means my friend that you cannot have show respect towards persons but that all glory must go into the Lord that means you must preach Ephesians 1 how he has predestined us to be conformed to his image that is to be like Jesus to mature in Christ nobody wants to be pushed anymore everybody wants to be complacent and lazy and at ease inside but if we'll be bold be strong in the Lord we'll have to push and push and push and that is exhort with all long suffering and doctrine somebody said I like them pushy preachers I am not a pushy person but I will go ahead and accept being called a pushy preacher that scripture said to exhort with all long suffering and that means not to get tired of exhorting you encouraging you pushing you you may get 
tired of me pushing you, but I don't get tired of it. Amen. I mean, exhorting with long suffering, trying to continue to get you to live for God. The more times I preach, live for God, live for God, live for God. Seems like the fewer people are living for God. But when I God called Isaiah and said, Who will go for us? Whom shall I see and who will go for us? Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord, send me. He said, How long, Lord, will I go? He said, Preach to the trees are gone. Preach to the houses are without inhabitants. Preach to there's nobody else left to preach to. Oh, God, help us. And my friend, hey, let me say it one more time this morning. And if God lets me come back tonight and preach tonight, I may say it again. I press on, keep on, and give yourself wholly unto God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Live for God, live for God, sell out for God. Why will God, my friend, be something for God? Don't live unto yourself. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. We're not strong. Most folks are not like they used to be. I got out yesterday and was doing some work around the house and been out all day and and working and about uh, had run out uh, two had run out two full in one piece of a uh, tank of gas in a in the uh, a chainsaw. And I had done all of, the, all of it, not just on the ground, but I had been, the whole time I'd been on a ladder running that chainsaw above my head. And, uh, you know, cutting limbs and things off trees. I don't want them to knock me off my mower. Up come springtime, and I got limbs everywhere. I didn't get them up. I just got the whole yard slammed full of limbs. And uh, limbs all over the place. I had, uh, I had two or three times tried, to, uh, you know, the mower, the, uh, uh, the uh, saw would cut off, you know, and then have to crank it up, stand on top of the ladder like a crazy person I did kick on the safety you know so it couldn't cut me up I could fall off the ladder but it couldn't cut me up kick on the safety you know and crank that thing up how, you know how you gotta crank it up you push one direction pull the other direction and about that time if it gets loose real good you pop yourself in the mouth amen I hit myself in the mouth four or five times yesterday I like that and uh, I ran around and ran around finally about uh, 15 to 6 10 to 6 I came and sat down at the doorstep I dripping wet with sweat every every stitch of my clothes away it looked like I'd been wallowing in the creek and I was taking my shoes off you know what my wife said to me she said now there's probably not any water to get a shower she said I didn't figure you were going to quit so early it was 15 till 6 I hadn't even had anything but a banana to eat all day but she said I didn't know you were going to quit so early I said oh and I can't work forever anymore I'm not the man that I used to be I used to she would have had to run me in before it got dark no matter what time of year it is. I didn't have the time to be out there with a flashlight or the headlights of the truck. I still running that. Uh, I saw, but I was worn out. And even this morning, two or three times I've tried to do so. I'm still feeling that saw this way. I was trying to hold my songbook in the choir and my book was shaking like this right here. I tried to hold that microphone. I said, I can't hold it with that left hand. I put it in the right hand. I mean, I felt like I, I still got that saw in my hand. 
You know what the thing is? I'm not 23 years old anymore. I'm 43. And I am not as strong as I was then. Don't have the endurance that I had then. Can't do some of the things that I did then. But I'm going to tell you what I have not lost. I have not lost the will to do it. And yesterday, two or three times, I stood at the bottom of that ladder and I thought, I'll quit right now. It was on about 4.30. I thought, I'll quit right now. And again, to look up that ladder, look at those limbs. And I wanted them gone. And I said, nope, I believe I'll pull that cord one more time. And climb the ladder again. I believe I'll move the ladder one more time. Find the saw one more time. I could saw the limb one more time. And I didn't have to cut them all. I didn't have to work another hour. All I needed was just pull one more. I cut one more. Climb one more. And there'll come a time in your spiritual walk where you won't feel so zealous and so big and so strong you'll feel like you're worn out. You cannot go any further. You're not strong like you once were. You'll find some days in your life where you're so weak and so tired you can hardly make it. But let me encourage you. Don't worry about sawing the whole tree down. Just pull the cord one more time. Step one more step on the ladder. Take it one step at a time. And if you get where you can't even step forward, just stand in the ground where you are. And don't quit. Don't give up. Be strong in the Lord. And stand your ground. And God will honor that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can't even hold it. I tried to pick up the handkerchief right there. I'm trembling my handkerchief. That handkerchief's tougher than what y'all know it is. Amen. That thing's heavy and it's active too. Amen. I mean, still feel that saw going. Uh, friend, listen, I don't know which one got the worst end of the deal of that saw, me or the trees. Amen. Oh, my. Be strong in the Lord. If you're going to be strong in the Lord this morning, you're going to need some help. And we are to bear one another's burdens, the Bible said in Galatians 6, 6 and 2, and to so fulfill you the law of Christ. And Galatians 6 and 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to them who are the household of faith. Hebrews 12 and 12 said, Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. If this morning you're weary and well doing, I'm not just trying to push you. I am trying to exhort you to lift you up. And my friend, to help you who are weary and who are tired, that should have the motivation necessary to pull the cord again, to Take another step on the ladder to go the next mile to continue on in the battle of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Be strong in the Lord. Let me give you some things, no things about those things, just some things that you maybe can get some help from this morning. If you're going to be strong in the Lord, you're going to need a heart for God. If you have no heart for the Lord, you won't be strong in the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart. Is it any wonder when the bear came down? Have my friend that God delivered him from the paw of the bear? Is it any wonder that whenever the lion came after his father's sheep, that he could grab that lion by the beard and slay him? Have my friend, he's a man after God's own heart. Is it any wonder when that giant came at nine feet plus tall? Have my friend with that spear whose beam was like a weaver's beam? Have the 
coat of mail that weighed almost 200 pounds. How my friend, is it any wonder how that David could throw a rock at his head and knock him down on his face, cut his head off with his own sword and get the victory? He was a man after God's own heart. If you're going to be strong in the Lord, you'll have to have a heart for God. Oh, I say this morning, I will serve thee because I love thee. Thou hast given life to me. I have a heart for God. That's a result of a personal salvation experience. I know what it is to be born again. How when Jesus comes into your heart, you'll develop a heart for the Savior. That's a result of my friend of total surrender. Of saying yes to the Lord Jesus. Being in a position to allow Him to mandate what He wants to do in my life. God decides how to use me. I don't decide that. It is a result of my friend of dying to myself. Realizing I don't own the rights to my life. I crucified this flesh daily. I say not my will but thine be done. I'm dead to who I, I once was. And I live under Christ. I'm my friend. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live but not I. It's Christ who liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Now I'm going to take a drink of water and preach about 30 minutes here. Y'all hang on with me. I had to wash down some sawdust. My friend, oh, listen to me this morning. My friend, if you're dead to who you are, if you are dead to the natural man, if you are dead to the old man of sin, how can ye who are dead to sin live any longer therein? You know what we got to do, Brother Terry? We got to learn to live like dead men. Amen. Reckon yourselves dead unto the flesh, unto sin, and alive unto God. Amen. My friend, God, help us. Hey, dead men are different than all the rest of us. Amen. <clears throat> Bring a casket before this pulpit. Crowds come by and view and, and visit and look and talk. And it's different. It amazes me. I know you don't have, people don't think about it this way, but it amazes me. Some of you don't like for nobody to look at you. You don't like, you don't like to be the center of attention. You don't like people to notice things about you. Yet when it comes time the dead man's rolled up here, folks come walking right up to him, just look all right in their face and examine them, you know, and put their hands on their, on their hands and all this kind of stuff. And they all stand around and talk about them like they're not there. And they're not. Not, not it. The spirit of them's not there. Don't they look good? You know, isn't it amazing, Brother John, all of us live folks, nobody ever says that about us. Nobody ever comes up and says, you know what, why don't he look good? Don't get that. You've got to die to get that. Amen. Don't he look good? Almost like he lived his whole life. He never looked good. Now that he's dead, he finally did it. Amen. Can I tell you, in your spiritual walk, that's the way it is. Long as what you're living, long as what you're doing things your way, long as what you've got your handle on everything, long as what you are in control, you won't ever look good spiritually. You'll never make it. You've got to reckon yourself dead if you're going to look good. Not only that, when you get dead, how you 
didn't say, oh, I just don't like everybody watching me and I just don't like everybody in my business. I don't like everybody talking about me. That dead people never complain about folks talking about them. That dead folks don't care what other people think about them. That dead people, my friend, are divorced from public opinion. That dead people don't need to please other folks. That dead people, my friend, don't realize it and do not care whether you approve or disapprove. Are you listening to me? If you're dead to that old man, it does not matter if this were life and lumps and bumps and jumps and croaks, pukes, or dies. Amen. And what does matter is that you please God. We are dead to the world. We are dead to the old man. I'm crucified to the world. The world's crucified unto me. And the life that I now live, I live unto God. My life is for Him, in Him, by Him, through Him. It's all about Him. It's not about me. Got to learn to live like dead men. Yes, sir. Living men have pride. Reason why you're so full of pride is because there's still some things in you that needs to be crucified. Brother Randy talked this morning a little bit in the opening of Sunday school about how what Jesus endured during that crucifixion. You know what he endured as much as anything and maybe more than anything? Humiliation. More than the beating more than the nails, more than the uh, more than the cross on his back, and my friend, more than the hanging there, and his uh, joints being uh, worn with the pressure. And my friend, he endured humiliation, have been made naked before men, and my friend, being cursed and lambasted, and mocked and made fun of, and laughed at and spat upon. Hear me, you know why he accepted that? Because he was crucified. Crucified. And if you this morning are crucified in that face and the natural man has been crucified, you don't bellyache all the time. How oh, what the Lord wants me to do, people might make fun of me. I might not be accepted. It's a guarantee somebody will make fun of you. That's a certainty that you'll not be accepted. And that'll make you just like your Lord. And you ought to do like the apostles and rejoice to be able to suffer with your Lord. Lord, and to be counted worthy to bear the marks of the cross. If we learn to die of the self, and my friend will be strong, and we will not care so much about what the world thinks about us. Be strong in the Lord. Amen. Amen. In order to be strong in the Lord, you're going to need a heart for the Savior. I care that he says well done more than what I care what the world has to say about me. Everybody in the world speaks well of you. The Bible says to watch out for you. You're a dangerous man and you ought to be accursed. If everybody speaks well of you, then God says you're accursed. But when all men shall persecute you and revile you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. He said rejoice, for great is your reward in heaven. Amen. Amen. 
Oh, your family don't approve. Your friends, your neighbors, other folks that you work with don't approve. Y'all say hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to the Lamb. I mean, if you've got a heart for God, the world will not approve. It'll take a zeal to live for God. You'll have to have a heart for Him if you're going to be strong in the Lord. A heart for the Savior. Not only do you need a heart for the Savior, you need a hand on the sword. If you're going to live for God, you need a heart for the Savior and you need a hand on the sword. I'm saying this precious Word of God is your best tool when it comes to living for the Lord and being strong in the Lord. We ought to begin by just believing what it says. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You must believe it if you intend to stand for God. I'm convinced most of what's wrong with us, how my friend in this generation is, we really just don't believe the Word of God. We really just don't believe what the Bible says. And they'll even say things like to us, you mean to tell me that you accept that literally? You take that literally? You believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible? Let me go on the record this morning and say absolutely yes. I believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible. I could start to my friend with six days and six nights in the book of Genesis and resting on the seventh and believing in a literal interpretation of the Bible. I believe in a literal man named Abraham and a literal place called Ur of the Chaldees, a literal woman named Sarah. And they were literally a hundred years old when God literally gave them a miracle son named Isaac who literally made them laugh and rejoice because God had fulfilled His promise. And I believe in twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And I believe God literally loved Jacob and hated Esau. And I believe God literally put the promise of the Lord on His life and through His seed brought His Son, Jesus, who was literally born of a virgin in a literal manger in Bethlehem. I believe He literally lived a sinless life and literally died my friend, not in a swoon or a coma, but died on an old rugged cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and literally and bodily resurrected on the third day, and literally ascended back to the Father 40 days later, and He said, I'm coming again for you, and I literally believe one of these days the skies are going to burst open, and Jesus is coming back, riding a literal white horse, and we're going out of here just like he promised us. I say even so come Lord Jesus. I believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible. Amen. Amen. Believe it. You want to have a hand on the sword? Believe it. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You must believe it this morning if you'll have a hand on the sword. Amen. Behave it. Don't just say, oh, I believe this Bible and do everything it says not to do. Oh, I believe the Bible, but yet you live in opposition to it every day. Your faith without works is dead, being alone. Behave it. Be obedient. 
It feeds your soul in Matthew 5 and 6. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. It fences you with safety from the world around you. And in Psalms 91 and 10, there's son no evil before thee, neither son of plague come nigh thy dwelling. It fortifies you for strength. It focuses your sight on the things that are right. It frees you to be able to serve God. Get a hand out on the sword this morning. Some of you don't know anything about the Bible and you wonder why you can't live for God. You don't know how. Amen. This book is what tells us how. Amen. Well, I think a Christian ought to do so. What you think a Christian ought to do doesn't make any difference. Amen. What matters is what the Bible says. Amen. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that fellow, you know, rubbing his beard like this, telling you what he thinks everybody else ought to do with their lives? He don't know what it is you ought to do with your life. This Bible tells us what we ought to do with our lives. Amen. People with noses so big, they can't keep them out of everybody else's business. But with problems so big that the Bible has speaks cursings on their own lives. They could see the hair on the back leg of a grasshopper in their neighbor's yard that would never recognize a bleeding elephant in the snow on their own front porch. Amen. Amen. Oh, God, help us to believe what this Bible says and to behave it. I've had people ask me years ago, I had a fellow say to me, preach all those sayings in the Bible that you don't believe or you don't understand. Don't those sayings disturb you or worry you? I told him, oh, no, sir. The things that are worrying me right now are all those things I do understand and I have not been doing the way that I should. That's what's given us the most trouble is that we're just not doing it. Behave the Word of God. A heart for the Savior. You want to be strong with the Lord? You need a heart for the Savior. You want to be strong with the Lord? You need a hand on the sword. You want to be strong for the Lord? You need a hatred for sin. Long as you're in love with sin, and you will not live for God. Amen. And there is no need to tell me while you live in sin, wallow in sin, and commit sin that you don't love sin. If you didn't love sin, you quit doing it so much. And you changed your life. You would change the way that you are living. And if you're going to be strong in the Lord, you're going to need a holy hatred for sin. You're going to need to come to see sin as God sees sin. And God God hates sin. And we must learn to hate sin the way God hates sin. And when we do that, 1 John 5 and 3 said, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. And when you have the love of God abiding and abounding in your heart, how you not only love the how good you hate the evil. Amen. How because sin destroys everything it touches. How sin festers and infects. And it will burst into full infection and it kills everything it gets its nasty grip lust is conceived it bringing forth sin and sin when it is finished bringing forth death the wages of sin is death Amen. don't be in love with your sin you cannot love sin and love the devil and love the world walk with God and be strong in the Lord cannot work that way Say people do sin but they ought not to right Amen. 
All of us in here this morning, if we say we have no sin, we are liars. We deceive ourselves. And yet at the same time, that same book of the Bible, 1 John, had told us that a man ought not to sin. But when he does, he has an advocate with the Father. In other words, what ought to happen in your life is you ought to avoid every possible sin, avoid every evil of every sort. And then when you fail in that and realize that you have sin and know that he's faithful and just forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness immediately deal your sin and confess your sin and seek after God to deal with your sin take the guilt away and also to help you to lead a different life from your fall we too often ask God to put away our sin when we are not willing to put away our sin everybody listening to me this morning Church has come to a place where we love for the preacher to preach against the devil, but we don't want him to preach against sin. Amen. We recognize the devil is that fellow that gives us a hard time. And we forget about the fact that what he's trying to do is draw, drag us off into sin. Preachers are preaching against Satan without preaching against what Satan loves and what Satan does. And the reason why that we don't want that is, is none of us are the devil. We want us to preach against the devil. But all of us do have a problem with sin. And nobody wants anybody to deal with their sin problem. But if you don't deal with your sin problem, you will never be strong in the Lord. That's right, That's exactly. Amen. And the problem we all have is we're all living right where I'm preaching. And we all have a problem with sin. I wish I could preach to you from a perch of superiority this morning and tell you that, you know, if you'd just be like your preacher, you wouldn't have no problems with sin. Problem is, I can't do that. I'd love to be able to tell you ever since I've been saved, I've never done anything wrong. Problem is, I can't do that, Brother Terry. I'm ashamed of that. I'm not proud of that. It's just a reality. And it is for you. And there's little use for you to sit back there with your horns holding up your halo acting like antennas communicating with each other and thinking to yourself, I wonder what he does. It's all wrong. And maybe it's okay for us too and all that kind of stuff. Hey, my friend, all of us, listen, everybody in here this morning, until you learn to hate sin, you're not ever going to get strong in God. And listen, just because there's sin, hey, my friend, that you have to deal with in your life does not mean that you don't hate it. But if you don't deal with it, it does demonstrate that you hate it, that you don't hate it. Hey Amen. You must learn to hate the sin that abides in your own flesh. If you have a jealous streak that runs about six foot deep in your heart and you don't hate that and try to dig it out and my friend become aware of the jealousy that's in your life, then my friend you'll never be strong in the Lord. If you have an envious nature, if my friend you have a covetous nature about you, if you are a complete Impulsive liar who would climb a tree to tell a lie before you'd stand on the ground and tell the truth. If you will not accept that, deal with that, and to my friend address that in your life, you'll never be strong in the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you just got a mean streak about you, want to hurt people, got a uh, streak of rebellion in you the size of King Kong. If you don't deal with that, address that, learn to hate that sin. 
You're never going to get anywhere with God. Have people who have only known me for a short time. Brother John fellow a couple weeks ago. He's known me for a little less than two years. And he made the statement to me. He said, you know, I, I was telling about some experience. He said, you know, I can't imagine anybody getting upset with you, Mr. Powers. He said, you're so easy to get along with and so easy going and so casual. And, uh, you know, you got such a calm demeanor. I thought, man, you had no come to know me at all in the last two years. You know what the fact of the matter is? I know, I know what kind of a what kind of a spirit that I have in me. And I don't mean the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about natural man, the spirit of man. I know what my nature is. And I try to keep a handle on that thing and make sure that I, as best I can, don't get carried away, don't become excessive. And my friend, especially in the flesh, I don't become excessive. I don't want to be a sinful person who flies off the handle and who shows myself and reflects poorly on the Lord. I don't want to be that person. Amen. 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 I don't want to be filled with pride and evil speaking and gossip. I don't want to be that person. Amen. Amen. Some of you are sitting there this morning in the building in this place and you're thinking, yeah, so-and-so ought to quit being that person and this one ought to quit being that person. And what you need to do is turn your camera around this morning and look in your own face and say, what am I that I should not be? I don't want to be that person. Learn to deal with the sin that's in your own life if you want to be strong in the Lord. It's the hardest thing preachers have to do. Brother Terry has preached against their own sin. Amen. It's embarrassing when you have to preach against your own sin. I remember one time a preacher that doesn't come to church here anymore preached something, and I mean, he hit her hard, buddy. He sunk the plow in deep, hollered, job mule, and he dug the stump up. I'm talking about sure enough, and we went out in the, in the foyer out there. Somebody come by the door, and they said, Brother so-and-so said, uh, you preached against such and such this morning, and last week I saw your wife do X, Y, and Z. He said, what in the world is this whole thing coming to around here when a man can't even preach to his own wife anymore? Oh, friend, sometimes it's worse than preaching to your wife and your family. I quite often it is preaching to yourself. It's one of the hardest things in the world to do. Preaching on your own sin makes you feel so stupid. I mean, that's a fact, ain't it? Am I telling right? That if you don't learn to have a hatred for sin, you'll never be strong in the Lord. I got to finish now. If you want to be strong in the Lord, you're going to need a holiness that separates you. Yes, sir. Yes. Be holy, said the Lord. Be holy, for I am holy. Holiness never leads to haughtiness. No, holiness leads to humility. Separated from sin, self, selfishness, Satan. The world sanctification precedes holiness. That is God's work in cleansing us. And then sanctification means that we've been set aside that we might become more like Christ in our daily lives. And Romans 8 29 said it was God's purpose in us for whom He did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And my friend God wants us to live a holy separated life. Come out from among them, saith the Lord, and be you separate. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 
There are some things that God sanctifies or He honors. He honors the tithe. He honors the offering. He honors church attendance. He honors surrendering your life to the Lord. He honors the sharing of the gospel, the worshiping of the Lord. These things please God and His Word told us so. If you live your life without those things, if you live your life in opposition and rebellion to those things, you will not be holy unto God. You will not be separated. And you will not be strong in the Lord. No need saying I want to be strong, live for God, but I'm not going to tithe. You never will do it. I'm going to be strong in the Lord, but I'm not going to worship. You never will do it. Not when he told us to praise his name in the sanctuary, to praise him for his mighty acts, to praise him for his excellent greatness, to praise him on his high sounding symbols, to praise him everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. If you disobey what God says, you can't be strong in the Lord. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. And I'll go to church when it's convenient. You never will do it. Until you commit your way unto God. Trust in Him. He will not bring it to pass. Holiness that separates. Let me give you number five. A habit of supplication. Paul said praying always, verse 18. He said, praying in the Spirit while watching with perseverance for the saints and for the preacher that God had given him utterance and boldness. That's a pretty good portion of Scripture to get in to sort of instruct your prayer life, verses 18 through 20. I wonder tonight, today, are you in the habit of praying often? Are you in the habit of praying daily? Are you in the habit of praying at all? How long has it been since you actually prayed at all? How long has it been since you prayed through? How long has it been since you tried? How often do you really talk to the Lord? Struggled yesterday morning trying to pray. Trying to even study the Bible. Something happened. Brother John, when I fired up that saw and got out there in the yard and I'd climb the steps of that ladder and talk to the Lord and had sweet fellowship. Hallelujah. Come in the house last night and distractions everywhere, not all of them bad, some of them good, just, you know, wife and kids and food and fan going and washing machine, dishwasher. It was not quiet time anymore. I didn't have the moment for myself just being the Lord and talking, yet somehow or another I was in communion with Him. Grabbed Katie up and told her just a minute, told her all about it, kissed her on the cheek, we cried together. Little Julia began to share with some things with her that the Lord was doing in my heart and she got to weeping with me. Holy Ghost run, right through my kitchen, Holy Ghost just right there in the middle of all of it. I wonder how long has it been since you just knew that you're just communing in your heart with the Lord. I don't mean just saying some words, but down in your heart you know you made connection with heaven. Amen. A habit of supplication. If you're going to be strong in the Lord, oh, this is a confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Our prayer life must become habitual and consistent if you'll be strong. Amen. And I'm closing with this now. If you'll be strong in the Lord, you need the hope of the second coming. The hope of the second coming. He that shall come will come, and he will not tarry.
Come on with a song. Listen to me. I'm closing out. I want you to hear this one last thing. If this morning this world were all there is to it, I can see very well why that some people would be reluctant to sell out for God because in this world it is unaccepted. If this life was all there is to it, I can understand why some people would be hesitant about digging in their heels and being strong in the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. If you realize that he that shall come will come and he will not tarry. Then it's not so hard to live for God. Matter of fact, if we knew that Jesus was coming back before the end of this day, if we knew that you would never make it down there to the restaurant to eat a piece of fried chicken this afternoon because Jesus was coming back before then, it wouldn't be hard at all to get everybody in here to say, oh yes, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. You know the reason why we have a hard time living for God while we're in this world and being strong in the Lord while we are here in this world? Because we're not really looking for Jesus to come. We really don't have the hope of the second return like we say we do. We're really expecting he's going to come somewhere on down out yonder. And we're concerned about what we may face living for God between here and there. If you knew Jesus was coming back this afternoon, would it really matter to you what somebody else thought about you? If you knew Jesus was coming back this afternoon, would it really matter to you that to somebody at the church did not brag on whatever you did on so-and-so? Did, would it matter that somebody else had the office and you didn't or that uh, this person was driving a new car and you didn't have one? None of those things would matter if we knew Jesus was coming this afternoon. You know why it matters to us now? We don't believe He's coming this afternoon. And we're more concerned about however long it is between here and there than what we are, what happens after there for eternity. And our vision is skewed. It is all out of whack. Our priorities are completely misplaced. And this morning, if we'd realize that what happens after Jesus comes is more important than anything we're doing right now. We would change the way we are living. Amen. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And there is a judgment we're all going to stand in. Now I'm wondering this morning, are you really prepared to meet God? Everybody stand. I've preached what God's put on my heart. I want to thank you so much for your patience this morning. I've tried not to weary your patience. I've tried to preach as quickly as what I could. And I've tried not to cut any corners. It'd be a disgrace to preach what I'm preaching this morning, Brother John, and to do so casually or to do so carefully without the power of God on it or to do so in fear. How am I supposed to preach to you about being fearless and courageous and serving God if I preach the message in fear? Somebody this morning, you need to just realize it's me he's preaching to. I've given a half-hearted effort. I've got to stand before God and present my life before the Lord. And is it pleasing to the judgment? Somebody needs to do business with the Lord. Everybody this morning stand with us. If you need to pray, would you come sing for us, please? If you need to talk to the Lord this morning, would you come?
Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Oh, to Jesus I surrender. Oh, would you be obedient to God today? Others are praying because they know they need help from God. You need to join them this morning. I surrender all. Be strong in the Lord. I surrender all. Oh God, help us. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. Talk to the Lord. I surrender humbly at His feet. I bow worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender stand out there and beat my chest and scream like Tarzan. But there's been a lot more of them I feel like I could just barely get through. But I have learned in my weakness, He is made stronger. 